of the Late Night Lincoln Throat Nightmares. I am your co-host, Kyle Martin. And I am Alden Roth. And we're just drinking some beer. If it sounds a little weird, it's because we're at my house, not Kyle's. Oh, yeah, it's true. This is the first time that we are filming in Alden's uh, new apartment. Yeah. Um, I'm drinking an Evil Genius Trick or Treat Chocolate Pumpkin Porter. I'm not usually a fan of um, porters or pumpkins or chocolates in my beer. <laughs> But I decided, what the hell, I'll give it a shot. It's October, after all. Exactly. you got to be in the spirit. Cheers. I'm drinking a Grist House Funky Street Fruited Sour. Grist House uh, is, I can't uh, do sours, dude. Like, I, I can do a sample of sours. I can't, huh. I can't stomach a whole glass. Of I love it. sours. Ugh. But we live, Hannah and I live right down the street from Grist House, so. Yeah. we gotta got to support the local business. Exactly, know? exactly. One of my... Former the one of the former managers of Beerhead, the bar that I work at, he works at Grist House now. I think his name's Hank. If you ever run into him, interesting. There you go. All right. These USBs don't need to be plugged in. No, they don't. I always thought that they like need to be. Yeah. Um, I think it like charges. It does charge the microphones. Okay. Um, but interesting. They're anybody... reco- they're recording right now though, so and it sounds it looks good. So. Yeah. For anybody that's wondering, we are recording with microphones that go directly into a computer. Yes, not so, into like a Zoom or like an external device that we have to like sync up later. But yeah, yeah, I picked these up on Amazon like a year ago, and they work pretty well. I like them. Yeah, I mean they, they do the job, so that's what matters. This beer is this beer is pretty good. I like this beer. Yeah, it's, it feels very. I mean, it's October first when we're recording this, so it feels it's you know getting in the Halloween spirit here, and it tastes like it tastes like a uh, Halloween. I'm it tastes smells like chocolate. It tastes like chocolate too. Oh man, that that does smell uh, soury there. This is a very interesting flavor. Mm, it's a very heavy beer. Yeah. Most porters usually seven point eight percent. Oh buddy, nice. This is alright. This sour is okay. Yeah, it's not that sour. I can only, I can just do samples of sours. I can't drink them. I can't do really. It. Yeah, man. How I can can't I do it? I don't know. It's just it's just not my not my thing. Taste. It reminds me too much of pea soup. Interesting. I I like sours a lot. I would pea soup. I don't I don't know if I've ever had pea soup. You've never had pea soup? Not that I, I feel can like think of. Grows up with pea soup at some point in my life. I don't know. I usually stick to IPAs though. Like IPAs or just like lagers are usually like my go-to. I just I'm so IPA'd out. I can't do more IPAs. Can't do it. I mean, I like a good IPA every now and then, but like there was a solid six months maybe a year where I was just drinking IPAs all the time. Can't do it anymore. I, I, when I first drank an IPA, I was like, what the hell is this? Like, I never want to drink this again. I can barely get through this beer. Like, fuck this. Like, this is stupid. And I found myself drinking another one. I was just like, nah, not for me. And I found myself drinking a third one. I was like, oh, yeah, yeah this ain't bad. And I found, and then I kept drinking them and drinking them. Now it's like, it's all I drink are IPAs. Interesting. I, I really like seasonal beers. I like changing it with the season. You like going with the, you know, now it's like Oktoberfest and pumpkin beers are, yep. are taking over right now. And yep. then once October goes, once like November comes in, then we'll get like the winter lagers and like the, and, the mad elves. And like really nice porters and stouts. And stuff. Yeah, no, definitely. The beers will get heavier. Yeah, you got to have something to get through those long winter days, you know. It's especially you know in Pittsburgh. But... Anyway, all right, we bullshitted for four minutes. What's going on? Yeah, so what's going on? I had a very eventful like uh, twenty-four hours actually. Yeah. Um, it was very interesting. I told you about it, and I was like, "Should I tell the story on the podcast?" And yeah, just tell like, the viewers. All right, yeah. I'll tell Don't name names. Don't. Yeah, exactly. I'll put. I'll. I'll replace the names. Yeah, yeah. Um, but uh, so uh, I were. I'm a bartender at Beerhead in Pittsburgh, so everyone should. Come on out. If you're listening. Beers. They've got so many beers. They 650 beers. 50 yeah. on tap, 600 in a bottle. So many beers to just shove in your head. It's amazing. It's pretty great. I love my job. But, um, so, uh, so I get, uh, I went, uh, climbing with Alden yesterday yeah. in the morning, or, I think it was afternoon. It was 12 o'clock. It was afternoon, technically. But, um, so, 
I get done, and I had to rush to work because I had to be at work at 4 o'clock. So I got home around like 3.30 and showered real quick and then got uh, got dressed and wandered on over to work. And it was a Steeler game yesterday, so it was, you know, just pack-to-pack wall of, you know, black and yellow. And everyone was already pretty, you know, hammered at that point, you know. So I was just like, all right, this is going to be my life for the next, like, solid six or eight hours. And so, uh, you know, you just go with the flow and you do it and, you know, you make a lot of money. So I, I got no years. complaints. Yeah, exactly. I got no complaints. But, um, so what was this, the start of the night was, uh, um, there's these two girls that came in the bar, both blondes, and uh, the one girl brought this game with her. And it was called uh, Bean Boozled, which is, it's basically Russian roulette with beans. So one bean is like a normal tasting bean, yeah, you yeah. know, and then the other bean is like dog poop or moldy cheese or like feet. So these are like a little different from uh, Harry Potter, Harry Potter flavored beans? I don't, know, I don't know what that is. I've, I've never seen... I've only seen the first two Harry Potters all the way through. You are terrible. <laughs> I didn't grow up with them. I, it, was, it wasn't my way, bro. You didn't read books, Kyle? I didn't read those books. What I was reading, did you read? I was reading Hemingway and Fitzgerald. <laughs> I was a uh, serious kid. No, I never got into those books, no. I, I, I never got into the movies, never got into the books. That was like my sister's thing. I remember my sister had all the books and everything. Yeah. She, like, read them, and I was... I think because my, my sister was into them, I was just like, fuck You're that. Right. Say, yeah, yeah. yeah, I was like, fuck that. But no, I think... I, I could be misremembering the name, but it was, like, Birdie Bot's Every Flavored Beans. Okay. And it had, like... It had flavors like boogers and vomit and okay, stuff. Gotcha. And then, like, weird ones like horseradish and buttered popcorn and stuff like all that. Alright. Yeah, and that's then, probably, like, a riff on that. Yeah. yeah. But there was no dog poop or, or anything like that. <laughs> it's Harry Potter. <laughs> so, but, um, so she had this game, and she was just like, she asked me to play it, and I, I played it, and I was I got a regular tasting bean the first time, and I was just like, I don't get this game, like, this is weird, like, whatever. But I was like, thank you for the bean, though. And then I went about doing my job, and then she started going up to all the bartenders asking them to play, and then she started going up to, like, all the people around the bar and asking everyone to play, and, like, everyone was, like, getting well, their she just it. hammered? No, she's just friendly. a very social person, you know. Yeah, which is, I mean, it was, it was cool. I mean, she was slamming beers, but, um, but she, she just came off as a very like, you know, hey, play, play this game. It's cool, yeah. yeah. Um. So I go to play again. She like calls me back, and I go to play again, and I get uh, moldy cheese <laughs> for the second one. I was just, I ate it because I was, I'm not gonna be no bitch, and you know, yeah, spit yeah, it back yeah. up. So. And then that's disgusting. She went up. So there's this one guy at the bar who was just hammered. He walked in. He seemed fine. I served him one beer. He drank a Bell's Two Hearted Ale, and then he just started. He just got like louder and more belligerent and shit. I'm just like, dude, you had one beer. Like, what the fuck, dude? I guess he was drinking before that, but still, yeah. man, it's like you drink one beer at a bar and then you're just he's just going. And like the Penn State game was on, he's just like yelling about the Penn State game. I'm like, bro, shut up. I had to go. I went up to him. He st- he started. He went up. Whatever. Like you're yelling at a bar. Whatever. That's like that's not a uncommon yeah. thing. But then he started. He was. He was. He said, um, they just stay around with their fucking cocks in their hand. He just started yelling cocks and shit. I go up to him like, bro. I was like, I, I motioned him to like you know lower his voice. I was like, yeah. you know, take it down, bro. And he's just like. Oh, sorry, sorry, but sorry. But then he just got louder again. And I looked yeah. at him and was like, God. I was like, you fucking yell one more time, I'm throwing your ass out. And he's just like, oh, sorry, sorry, sorry. And then he finished his beer. And then he he said it, you know how like you put your beer like, you know, towards like further into the bar if you want like another one. Yeah. And so he did that and I was just like, fuck this guy. I'm not giving him another beer. He's cut off. <laughs> and so he's just, he's waiting there for a while and he's still loud as shit, you know, but like, and then he's like, he crushes because it was a can. So he crushes his beer, and he goes, "Guess I'm not getting served." And he said it while I was walking by, and I look and I turned, looked him dead in the eye, and I was like, "Yeah, I'm not fucking serving you." And I went about my business. And these are the things you can get away as a bartender. Yeah. <laughs> and so, but anyway, he was uh, in the middle between that. He was like drunk and belligerent and shit. And um, the girl Jasmine, she goes up to him and she's like. Oh, hey, want to play Bean Boozle? He's like, what's Bean Boozle? And she starts explaining it to him, and he's just like, well, if 
if I throw up, I got, I, I, if I don't like it, if I throw up, I got to throw up down your shirt. And he just kept like repeating this. And she's just like, and she, she's playing it off cool. There was a, a rule, like the rules were like on the box. It was like, it came in this little box and she just goes, look, rule number two, you can't be a wimp. <laughs> and she kept like saying that to him. She was playing it off. She was like handling her own against him. Yeah. But they kept repeating it. He's just like, I got to throw up down your shirt. He's just being like an ass about. I go up to him. I'm like, dude, quit it right now. All right. Like no one thinks it's funny. Yeah. <laughs> and so, and he finally left and I, we're pretty sure that my one manager, cause me and my manager talked about like cutting him off or whatever. And she was like, yeah, he's belligerent or whatever. And then she overheard him and she thought that she heard him say that he owned a restaurant. And I was like, I want to know which fucking restaurant he owns so I never yeah. fucking go there. Yeah. <laughs> or I'll go there go and there. be a belligerent yeah, asshole. Yeah, yeah. 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 And so, um, so they leave and then, and then my friend, uh, my, my friend Matt, he bartends at, uh, at the bar as well. And, He's a very uh, shy guy, I would say, to, for towards women, you know? And so yeah. we're always, like, on his ass to, like, you know, you should... Dude, you need to, like, just go up to girls and just start talking to them. You just you just talk, talk to him. He's very... He, he isn't good at, like... Motivating himself. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, and he, he's very he's very shy. Yeah. And so every chance we get, we're just like, go up and talk to someone. And I saw that she was very open. And so I was just like, Matt, go up to that girl. Go up to those two girls and just say, hey, I want to play... The bean game. Yeah. And so that motivated him enough to go up there. And so he goes up to him and he starts playing the bean game. And he actually, he starts talking with Jasmine for like the longest time or whatever. And I was just like, good for you, Matt. I was like, proud of you. You know, you do you. Yeah. And then uh, they ended up, he ended up uh, going and drinking with uh, some of the other like servers and bartenders that got off. They, we usually stay and drink beers afterwards right. when we're done with our shift so he went out to the patio and started drinking with them and the uh, two girls remained at the bar or whatever and um they drank for a while and everything and then uh i went to go close their tab out and uh jasmine the one with the game she's just go she goes she goes are, are you single and i'm like yeah and she's just like and she just writes down her number and hands it to me and it's like that's like that's happened to me once before bartending yeah. and I was just it's like it's such an it's such a weird thing when it happens to guys with girls it happens every day basically oh, yeah, you I'm know sure. with them getting like hit on and like you know guys being like go get your number or they give or they give them her number or whatever yeah. but I feel like with guys it's like it's like when that happens it's like what like oh my god like yeah, oh yeah. my wow and so have you ever seen Goodwill Hunting no okay so there's a scene in Goodwill Hunting where uh, so <laughs> I'll just explain what happened so I get her number and I'm like I think of this scene from Goodwill Hunting. I'm like, I have to do this to Matt. Like, right, I was like, it's a dick move, but I have to do this to him. Yeah. So I go up to him in front of like all of our coworkers, and I go, I go, Matt, do do you like apples? And my friend Johnny, who who's a bartender at Beerhead, knows the scene. He knows Goodwill Hunting. And he knows what scene's coming up that I'm gonna reference, it. and he just goes. Holy shit! He's like my man, my man. <laughs> and then he like he got quiet because he was like, "Go!" He's like, "Go, go, go!" And Matt, Matt doesn't know what I'm doing, and okay. he's just like, "What?" He's like, "What?" And then I go, "Well, <laughs> I go, well, I got her number. So how do you like them apples?" <laughs> and then everyone just started laughing. I'm like, "I'm sorry, Matt," but I was like, "I had to do it because like I, I, yeah. I thought of that scene, so I like I had to do it." And so I, I walked back or whatever, and I'm like. Okay, whatever. Like, I, I feel weird getting a girl's number that has, like, been drinking because I'm just, like, you're drunk or you might be yeah. drunk. So it's just, like, like why are you giving me your number, you know? Right, right. So, anyways, I, I, I bartend for the entire I worked until, like, midnight. Like, midnight or 12.30. And then I got off work, and then this whole drama between these two co-workers um, escalated in a very negative way where... One of our coworkers pushed the other, they fell over, and then just threw the biggest fucking tantrum in the world. Like, yeah. threw chairs into the street, threw a fucking barrier into the street, tossed a huge-ass trash can, just pushed it themselves yeah. into the street. Yeah. It was insane. I'd never seen anything like that before, and I was like, my God, dude, like, you gotta get fucking therapy or something, man. Yeah. You can't be hanging on to that shit, you know? That's not good. But, but, so, and I, I literally had just gotten my beer when all that happened, and I was just like, God damn, man. And, and Tiff was just like, my general manager was just like, everyone's got to leave, you know? And so I was just like, I chugged this beer, 
And then I started walking back to my apartment. And I was just like, should I hit up that girl that gave me her number? And I was like, right, yeah, right. I was like, it's almost 1 a.m. <laughs> I was just like, I don't know, I don't know, I don't know. And I'm walking, and it's like a 15-minute walk to my apartment, so I'm like, you know, debating this, like, the entire time I'm walking back. And I'm like, yeah, fuck it, whatever, I'll yeah. text her, you know. So I just sent her a text, just being like, hey, if you're still out, we can grab a beer. If not, you know, whatever. And she's just like, come to Rivertown. And I was just like, okay, that's, guess where I'm going. <laughs> so yeah. I just, I was like, I'm going to go where the night takes me, because it's already a weird-ass night, you know. Yeah. So yeah. I go, oh, Side side story. Let's back up a little bit here. When uh, every, when all the I was stu- when I'm still clocked in at work and everyone's drinking outside on the patio, this crackhead comes out of nowhere and just starts you know, belligerently just harassing everyone on the patio or whatever. And me, everyone that was working that was still working had to go out and stop a fight from breaking out between one of the coworkers and this crackhead. Yeah. And we had to, like, call the cops. Cops never showed up, so good job, Pittsburgh Police Department. Yeah. Um, and uh, this crackhead just, like, walked down the street and, like, just disappeared into the north side somewhere. And I walk. I live on the north side, and I walk back that way that that person walked. So my entire time when I was walking back, I was like, I'm going to run into this fucking crackhead. They're yeah. going like, to stab me, you know? And so... So that was just, and so that whole thing happened. That it just added to the weirdness of the night. And then yeah. also, happy story with Matt. So everyone's drinking outside in the patio, and this woman who had just been like a a, a guest or a customer there, didn't know anyone that worked there or anything, yeah. joined the the table of coworkers and just like became friends with everyone there yeah. and started hooking up with Matt <laughs> in the fuck in front of everyone and everyone's really? just like what the fuck is going on right now like this is such it was such a weird night because Matt is so shy would never do that you yeah, know yeah. and now he's hooking up with just some rando you know in the That's fucking awesome. patio and then he took her home and, awesome. we're, and we're just like good job for you Matt good for you but um so uh Happy story with him. But then, so I go and meet up with these two girls at Rivertown, and I have another beer. So I'm not, I'm not, you know, drunk at all, you know, I've just had two beers, that's whatever, you know, for me. And then, uh, I'm talking with Jasmine a lot, and then her her roommate slash friend is just, like, kind of there, which I felt bad about, so I was, like, trying to include everyone in the conversation, but, like, Jasmine was just, like, focusing on me and shit, so it was just, it was awkward, it was awkward. And so, uh, we end up leaving, and then the... Jasmine and her roommate like kind of got into a fight because I guess earlier in the night the roommate was like found this like was hooking up with this other guy and like they went they went to the south side flats where he lived and they were like at his apartment and I guess the roommate was like hooking up with this guy and then Jasmine was just like I'm gonna leave because like this is weird as shit you know and this bartender's hitting me up (laughs) and so she leaves, and then I guess the roommate was just like, where did Jasmine go? And, like, left that guy's house and, like, met up with yeah, her and yeah. shit. And now Jasmine's leaving with me to, like, go right. back to my place. So there was, like, confrontation there, you know? But Jasmine was just like, I don't give a shit. And so I was like, hey, if you don't give a shit, I don't give a shit. Yeah. So um, I go back. So I, I walk her back, because I live on the north side. It was, like, a 10-minute walk or whatever. So we walk back to my place or whatever, and, you know... She's really cool. She's a very interesting person. She teaches a pre-K. Interesting. Yeah, very interesting. And she was talking about all the things that, you know, teaching empathy towards kids was, like, her huge thing. That's, that's like cool. What she, like, intru- she, that's what she is her main drive, you know, yeah, yeah, yeah. in her classes. Nice. Which is really cool, yeah. And um, we go back to my place and we, we talk some more and stuff and, you know, things happen. Yeah. <laughs> you know? We all have imaginations. But so, yeah, and so I don't... I end up driving her back home. Uh, she lives in Lawrenceville. Actually, she lives like right down the street from Row House, actually. Oh, nice. Yeah. And so um, I drive her back to her place and I drive back. And it's like 5 a.m. at this point. I'm like, Jesus fucking Christ. Yeah. Like, ah, uh, Jesus. And so I finally just like, Blade 2 was on Netflix. It just came on Netflix. So I, okay. I, put, I put that on and I just passed out the Blade 2. Yeah. And that was it. And then I woke up. I was kind of like in and out of sleep all day today. Like I woke up and I like did some shit around the, around the apartment. I cleaned up. Yeah. And I like fell back to sleep for like a little bit and I got up again. And I like edited like uh, some of the reviews that I'm doing. Yeah. Late night liking through. And I like fell back to sleep again. So yeah. it was just really like in and out of like sleep all day today. It was really weird. But yeah, that was like the, that was like the last like twenty four hours there, and it was just it was insane. Yeah, it was just in, insane. Like, I, 
Ugh, just so much. Yeah. It's a lot more exciting than mine. <laughs> Work, worked. <laughs> yeah, I worked, and uh, Hannah and I did a lot of house planning last night. Yeah. Nothing exciting. Like, just, like, decorations, like, around the house and shit? No, just, I mean, we don't have a bed frame yet, so it was, like, not true. figuring that out. We're going to try to, like, build one out of, um, what's it called? Wood pallets. But Okay. Do you have wood pallets? Yep. Got about 12 of them. Oh, that's right. I saw one of your dailies. Yeah. yeah. About, about a bunch. Yeah. That's right. So, just haven't had a chance to do them yet. But, yeah, we, we were, like, we're going to Colorado in a couple of days, and so she was freaking out about, like, the house not being ready before our first big trip. And, I was, and I, for me, I'm just like, what? It's fine. Yeah. It's livable. Nothing wrong. Nothing, <laughs> nothing wrong with this house. No, not at all. But she was really upset about it. So we had to figure that out late in the night last night. Not late for you, though. It was like 11 o'clock. Oh, yeah. That, that was still the beginning of my night. <laughs> right, right. So. How are you liking the apartment life so far? Uh, it's, it's, it's not bad. Um. It's nice to have a bed, I bet, you know. Yeah, I mean, I, I, like, I like the bus. It was fun. Um, I'd do it again. I don't know. The, the best thing about the apartment is that I'm able to get into more of, like, um, not necessarily a routine, but, like, good habits. Yeah. Like, I'm trying to make breakfast for myself more often, which I never did before. Yeah. Because you actually have a, I have a stove kitchen now. That you, yeah, and kitchen shit. Right. The, the biggest thing is I have a fridge that I can, like, store food in. Yeah. Um, you don't have to put stuff in a cooler, right? Ice and stuff. Yeah. yeah. No, that's that's a big plus. Yeah. So that's nice. And and I feel like I'm on a better sleep schedule because Hannah is very much on a good sleep schedule. Mm-hmm. And she guilts me every time that I don't <laughs> go to bed with her. And then, so, so it, it gets me to, to, do, to sleep a little bit more than I normally would. If left to my own devices. Like how you were, like, you know, a couple months ago. Yeah, yeah you're right, just, like, right, doing right. your own thing, yeah. So, yeah, but it's it's been, uh, yeah, it's been interesting. Just trying to adjust to a very different way of life. Well, yeah, you've been doing, like, the same thing for the past like, two years, basically, you yeah. know? And then now it's just, like, you weren't expecting to, like, move into an apartment in the beginning of this year, too, you know? So it was no, just, I mean, like, even, like two or three months ago. Yeah, so it, it just kind of, like, happened, you know? Yeah. And so now, I mean, like, I bet the, the adjustment is very uh, weird and, like, you're still getting used to it, you yeah. know? So I understand that. Like, that's... Yeah. That's... It's a... It's a... Interesting adjustment to go from living yeah. in, you know, bus or, like, you know, sleeping at a desk and stuff but right. having your own space to come home to, you know? Yeah. Yeah, it's... It's, uh, it's good and bad because it's, like... I try to avoid the things of like coming home and and start watching TV right away, mm-hmm. like because that's in high school. That's what I did. Was I would just come right home from school and watch TV for like four or five hours. Yeah, and it was like I wish it had been good TV, but it was just like whatever the hell was on Morty. the TV. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> like whatever the hell. And so it's like wasted so many hours doing that, and it's just now I'm trying to like spend more of that time like coming home and being creative right away or like, making dinner or like, you know, right. Right. Yeah, like doing things. Cause that's one thing I've been like researching a lot lately is like by research, I mean watching YouTube videos. <laughs> uh, <laughs> that's, that counts as a research. Yeah, you can yeah, cite yeah. that source. Yeah. <laughs> um, but it's like, it's a, a lot of like a lot of people that I look up to put a lot of value in meditation Okay. And I've tried it, and I just can't get into it. Yeah, it's not for me. Most of the time, I end up falling asleep, and I don't know if that's me not liking meditation or me not sleeping enough. That's yeah. a different story. Yeah. But one guy that I really like, he's like, he just has like little rituals that he does every day. Like he makes coffee in the morning every day, and it's it's not it's like fancy coffee. Yeah. So he just takes that time to like just be with himself and like not. Uh, be on his phone, not have any distractions. He just makes mm-hmm. the coffee and then enjoys the coffee, and it's like twenty minutes of his day. But like that twenty minutes really helps him like focus his day. Yeah, it's like it's a it's a manual thing that has a, a routine yeah. that you can that you know. It's all about getting yourself into a routine. That's really yeah. it, you know. And like that, you can solely just focus on that one thing, and right. that you can 
just the rest of your day. Yeah. Well, it, it's weird, though, because I've, like, I've always been like, oh, routines, those are the worst things ever. Those mm-hmm. are for squares. And, I, and now I'm like, no, I actually see the benefit of a routine. You can be very productive and, like, I don't know. If you set a schedule for yourself, yeah, you can yeah. be very productive. Like, right. Instead of just being, like, waking up and being like, okay, what am I going to do? Right. And then you waste a bunch of time just figuring out stuff to do. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know? Yeah. So I, I understand. I understand the benefit of a routine, too. And yeah. I, routine, I think, helps with, like, depression, too. I'm sure it does. And, yeah. you know, if you, like, get yourself into a set schedule and, and you, instead of just, like, wallowing, yeah. uh, it does it does wonders. Yeah. The thing I'm trying to do right now and focus a lot of energy on is, like, not holding all the value I get day-to-day in, like, in, like, traditional productivity. So, like... Mm-hmm accomplishing things yeah but more like the the like am i moving my body and like feeling good about like the exercise i'm getting am i eating properly am i like like that kind of stuff while also balancing like you know my creativity uh no yeah it's i mean those are hard things i mean like with like working out like how i feel like some people instead of like going on medication and stuff they'll an alternative is just like to have a very strict workout routine yeah you know and like I see the benefit in that, and, and and it's it's get it's all about I think just the state of mind at that point. You know, it's just yeah. it's getting yourself to not focus on the things. You know, instead of focusing on like why what am I doing with my life? Blah blah blah. blah and you're being like, okay, I need to do twenty you know push ups or whatever in this amount right. of time. You know, so right. there's there's pros and cons to everything. Yeah, no, it's it's just really interesting. YouTube is opening so many different doors. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it is. But I mean, it, it's it's a it's a good thing and it's a bad thing. You know, I mean, YouTube has basically just replaced TV. You know, people will just like watch YouTube like how they watch TV. You know, yeah. like come home from school or whatever, sit down at the right. computer and watch YouTube for four hours. Right. You know, so I mean, yeah. pros and cons. Yeah, I don't. Know. I'm not. I'm not one of those people. I I I really like YouTube because I can like if I have like six minutes. Or ten minutes or whatever that I'm like, okay, I need. Uh, I don't. I don't want to like dedicate an hour to watching a TV show right now. I want to just spend like ten or fifteen minutes doing something. Then YouTube is nice because I can like get that uh, some entertainment or some knowledge. Yeah, in that, in you can like if you have like an thing. idea for something, you can like kind of like yeah. feed it like through that and like yeah. get some more. Yeah, no, definitely. But it's like I do. I do miss the the days of high school when I would just sit and watch. Four hours of TV, mm-hmm. and when we had no responsibilities, right, right. <laughs> yeah. That's what those years are for, though. Yeah, I guess. Come so. home and sit down and watch some TV. Yeah. I mean, like I, I did the same thing. Where I come. I know, home. but yours were filled with so so much better movies and TV. Yeah, I mean, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I remember. I remember like coming home, and uh, I'd watch um, George A. Romero's Land of the Dead like every day. Like, yeah. after school, that was just, like, my thing that I would watch. Mm-hmm. And, like, I've seen that movie, like, so many times since, like, after school. It's, it's insane. I remember my thing, my mom made fun of me for this. And, like, my thing about, like, when I would get home from school is I would walk into the house and I would just, like, strip down to my boxers. Because <laughs> I was, like, I just hated wearing clothes, I guess. Don't we all? I, it's, it's stupid. Like, why the fuck do we have to wear clothes, you know? It's just, I don't get it. Like, why can't we just, you know, be around people that are naked? Yeah. Like what? Like when did it become such a taboo thing to be like, oh, a penis is that? Oh, we can't look at that. Or boobs? Oh my god, we can't look at that. It, it, yeah, like what the fuck, dude? It's just like it's it's literally we live with it every day. Yeah. And we can't talk about it. That's why. That's what it's like astonishes me about like violence in movies. How like we're so desensitized to violence, you know. Like, superhero films, like, you know, you see buildings crashing down, millions, thousands of people are dying in those movies, you know, but whatever, it's so glossed over, but Jesus Christ, if you, like, mention sex or, like, show a a penis, like, you're you're the worst, you know, kind of filmmaker in the world, you know, your your film is blasphemized. And also, like... such bullshit. Yeah, and, like, if you show um, female genitalia, then it becomes a porno, you know? Yeah. Like, you show a dick, it'd be good. I mean, if you show, like, boob... If you, if you show a woman naked in a movie, R-rated, you know, whatever. Yeah, if you show a dick 
in a in a movie, NC seventeen. Or it's like graphic nudity. No, nah, yeah. Like what's so graphic about a penis? I know. But like and like you can show an ass and get away with PG thirteen, I think. Yeah, exactly. But it, a man's ass. I don't think you can show a woman's ass. Yeah, because it's like, oh it's sexualized. Right. It's just like motherfucker, I was sexualized in like the fourth grade, you know? Like, Jesus Christ. If you if if people would just like sit down with their kids and just talk about sex honestly, you yeah. know, and it wouldn't be such a big deal. But people are just so weird about talking about sex, yeah. you know. Like, I, I mean, even, like, my house, you know, which was a very liberal household, and just didn't talk about sex, you know. My, yeah. My dad never sat me down and was just like, all right, man, son, you need to wear a condom, you know. Right, you, right. You know, that just never happened. You know? Yeah. So I had to learn that stuff on my own, you know. I always thought it was really weird in high school, the dress code was, like, um, girls couldn't wear skirts or shorts that were, like, Higher than mid thigh. I remember that, and, and it's just like, well, who the? F- it's distracting. Like, right? They always blamed it as, as a distraction to other people, and I'm like, we shouldn't be blaming the girls for how they're dressing. Exactly. For distracting the guys. Yeah, we whoever. should be blaming the guys for being pieces of right. shit pigs. You right. Know? And this is now this is the situation that we're in today with yeah. fucking Supreme Court nominees being accused of sexual harassment. You yeah. know, and a president that has sexually harassed women. So, on that note, what uh, movie did we watch today, Kyle? Today's movie is 2018's Mandy. Brought to you by nobody. Brought to you by, hopefully, Evil Genius, or I'm wearing a Row House t-shirt, so hopefully one day you will sponsor us. I'm wearing an Alaska t-shirt, maybe the state of Alaska could sponsor us. That'd be so fucking cool. Yeah. (laughs) This podcast brought to you by the state of Alaska. (laughs) This <laughs> is Glacier National Park. <laughs> I think that's in Montana, Kyle. Is it? I think so. I thought Glacier National Park was in Alaska. I'm pretty sure it's in What Montana. national park is in Alaska? Uh, that's a good question. I felt like it was Glacier. Whatever, I'm sorry. Montana no, you get I'll fact check you. <laughs> Go ahead and riff for a second. Alright, so uh, Mandy it stars Nicolas Cage, uh, directed by Panos Cosmatos, son of. Um, George P. Cosmatos. I didn't know who, he was his son. Yes, he. George P. Cosmatos directed uh, Tombstone. Well, allegedly directed Tombstone. Okay. There's a uh, various sources confirm that Kurt Russell actually directed Tombstone. Okay. Um, after the original director was fired, but um, but so interesting side story with Tombstone. Uh, Tombstone was written and directed by, I forget this guy's name, and I'm so sorry, but uh, he wrote it, and then he started filming, I think he filmed two weeks worth of footage, and then the studio fired him, and Kurt Russell took over that in between when the studio was looking for another director, and they fired the previous director, Okay. and then George P. Cosmatos, who um, is a... I mean, no disrespect to the guy, but, I mean, he is a journeyman filmmaker. Nothing real special about him. Just comes okay. in, makes a movie. Yeah, that's yeah. it, you know? that And that's his thing. Um, I think that, and multiple sources since Tombstone has come out, as, and but George P. Cosmatos was brought in in, like, the last minute to oversee the production of Tombstone as director. But uh, various sources say that the creative side of, of Tombstone was handled by Kurt Russell during that period when George P. Cosmatos came in. I think George P. Cosmatos was brought in to be like, all right, it'd be like, we'll set up the whole shot or whatever, but Kurt Russell was the driving force of that movie. Interesting. Yeah. So, um, uh, but Panos Cosmatos directed this movie, stars Nicolas Cage, and it's a, the, the plot line of this movie is basically, there's a couple who are terrorized by a cult. Uh, the wife dies, and then the husband seeks revenge. And that is literally the entire plot. That, that, is, that it, is. It does not get any deeper than that. No, not at all. But it is filled with visual brilliance and insanity. Yeah. Oh, wow, it was beautiful. Just a... Uh... Yeah, let's start. Let's start off with just like the 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 look the of this film and like the cinematography. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. So I mean, amazing. Like you can't yeah. deny. Like this movie is a visual masterpiece. Yeah, it was really really beautiful. Uh, 
the there were things they were doing with light that I have never seen or even thought of doing. Mm -hmm. Like I don't know. I mean, a lot of it was like exaggerated, but the world that this film lived in, you just accepted it. Oh my gosh! And it, it, I mean, it was set in like 1983, but it felt like right. a very alternative 1983. Yeah, you know? I mean, I mean, it honestly felt like it could have been present day. I don't know why it was important that it was 1983. Yeah, I don't get, I mean, maybe just because, like, with the absence of, like, cell phones and stuff like that, they didn't want to get yeah, involved, but, I mean, they didn't really need it out there. Right. Just be like, oh, it's in the woods, whatever. People, yeah. These people don't have this shit. But, um, it's, it's, the use of, like, the color red in this movie yeah. is just so prominent. So and, prominent. And it's just, like, it, like, once that red, like, comes in, like, yeah. I think, like, they introduced... They, they fill up the whole frame with, like, red once the cult is introduced. Like, when they do that yeah. drive-by. When Mandy's walking down the street and the cult drives by. Yeah. And the leader sees Mandy. And that, that just whole red palette. I mean, yeah. like, it... And it's just... It's, it's so... It could have been, like, overdone and it could have been, like, too much. But I feel like how insane this movie is, you just kind of accept that. Yeah. You know? Definitely. Yeah. If this was just, like, kind of, like, a normal kind of, like told story where it's just like you know of how i described it you would feel like oh this is it's too much whatever you know but it's from like the first couple minutes of the movie you feel like this just kinetic uh insanity that is yeah. just going through it and you just accept it yeah yeah it was uh it's really weird like i mean it starts off with like this normal conversation between mandy and Nick Cage's character. And then, oh, yeah, they do that overhead shot in the bed. Yeah. They rip that off of my stuff. Yeah. <laughs> and then, but then, like, these crazy colored lights come in, and it's not it's a green dress. and, like, blue. Yeah. yeah. And it's like, it's like, wait, what is happening? And then they, they, you get a wide shot of the house, and there's just, like, it looks like the Aurora Borealis, but it's, mm -hmm. like, really weird colors and stuff. So and, like, that conversation isn't really that deep. No. Either. Like, it's very, like, a little kind of, like, cheesy. You know? Yeah. I feel like the dialogue in this movie is, like, <laughs> you don't really need it. That's the thing, you know? There's, like, that whole monologue with, like, the, when the cult is introduced. Like, yeah. when they go into Mandy and uh, Red's house. Yeah. And, like, the, that cult, the, the cult leader is, like, having that conversation with Mandy. And I'm just, like... I don't really care about, like, yeah. what you're saying, dude. I mean, like, I get that you're, like, a fucking crazy dude, you know? Yeah, but, yeah. like, it, I, the, the dialogue doesn't really matter in this movie. It's all really about the visuals and the music. The music, the I music think... music drives the story more than anything. It, it really does. And it, like, it, it's this weird kind of, like, synth. It's like if the wind was synthesized. That's yeah. how I kind of, like, process this music in my head. I thought the fucking score for this movie was... Yeah. Amazing. Yeah, it was crazy. Jo Johan Johannesson, um, who recently passed away earlier this year, um, I think I I don't know if this is the last movie that he scored. It was on IMDb. It was. It yeah. went out with a fucking bang, in my opinion. I think this is a, a fucking brilliant, brilliant score. It's a masterpiece. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And like, I really want to go home and like just download the score right away, and and because I I was just every time like a little like nuanced synthesized moment would come up it would just like capture me in the, in the moment i felt like his, yeah. his score really captured like the smaller moments uh really well and with the bigger like climactic battle sequences as yeah, well yeah, i yeah. think he really did a, a great job at balancing all of those uh elements of the movie yeah no I, I thought it was uh the i just keep going back to the visuals because they were stunning like it's the best part of the movie yeah the visuals are the best part and they're like the way that they not just the way that like red is in the frame but like the red accents of the light mm -hmm. was awesome because they like the there was a lot of driving in this film and they especially towards like the third act yeah, yeah. and they used the like they exaggerated the taillights of the cars mm -hmm. and the motorcycles to like, throw red throughout the the scene mm -hmm. it's just gorgeous there's a there's a scene where Nicolas Cage is uh, erratically driving down this yeah. like, dirt road and the taillights are like illuminate illuminating off of the trees yeah. on the side yeah. and so there's like these red trees with it and then it's like this wide angle shot of Nicolas Cage just like erratically driving down the street and it's, it was fascinating yeah beautiful yeah, yeah. Um, there are three shots of this movie that I absolutely think are brilliant okay 
first one is towards the first act of the movie when we're uh, getting introduced to uh, Nic- Nicolas Cage's character and uh, the Mandy character. Nicolas okay. Cage's character is named Red in this movie. Right, right, I don't right. know the actress's name. I need to look her up because I've never seen her in anything before. Yeah. Her character is Mandy. So Red and Mandy are like on this like camping trip, I guess is what it was. And there's a scene where Nicolas Cage is like sitting by the fire and he's in, looking yeah. at the fire with a cigarette hanging out of his mouth. And then he looks out onto the other side of the fire and Mandy's in the pond. That shot was so fucking creepy. And dude, but I uh, hated oh, it. Oh my god, no, it's it's so she's just sitting there in the pond, like kinda like her head's like halfway out, it's like the water's like hitting like her mouth or whatever. And then she comes out of the pond and Nicolas Cage is like just looking at her and like, you know, like gobsmacked and then she yeah. like she sit she's standing uh on the other side of the fire just looking at him and she it's just this extreme close-up of her face just looking into the camera with like the fire like right in the the bottom of the frame and i thought i was like i fucking love this shot yeah it's amazing. i love it i love extreme close-ups of just people's faces yeah i i absolutely adore it i think jonathan demi uh perfected it with his movies and like no one has been able to top him since but yeah that shot of her face just looking at Nicolas Cage, I thought was just absolutely beautiful. And I think the greatest special effect that a movie can ever do is someone's mind changing and the look on their face when that yeah. thought occurs. I think that's the greatest special effect you can do in movies. Yeah. No, I mean, she had these really crazy eyes that, like... She had Shelley Duvall eyes. Shelley Duvall yeah. was shining. That's what I was thinking uh, when I saw her. Shelley Duvall's eyes are... Really buggy. I thought this this woman's eyes. They they were. I would say her her eyes were more doe eyed. Okay. Because like Chili Duvall's eyes are buggy. They look like they're about to fall out. Of She's her like head. going fucking insane while Jack Nicholson's like right. about to kill everyone. Right. right. And like this woman, I thought she was very pretty at times. Mm-hmm. And then there were other times when she would just like look at the game a little weird, and I'd be like. What is wrong with her? She's the Antichrist. <laughs> I feel very awkward right now. During that scene when she was in the pond, you were oh, just yeah, like, oh my it. god, it was creepy as shit. Yeah, I, I don't was... know. There was something about it where I was just like kind of swept up. She just seems like the kind of woman that would be with Nicolas Cage. Oh, um, absolutely. Yeah, so I was just, I kind of just, I bought it. So I bought that they were just like both these weird people that were just like together, you know? Yeah. Um. So the, uh, the second shot that I fell in love with was uh there's a scene when the cultists break into uh red and mandy's house and uh they drug mandy and they're sitting her in in like the living room and the cult leader is like having this conversation with her and it's another extreme close-up of his face and it's him just like having this conversation with her and the it's a cool effect yeah there's this cool effect where it'd be his face and then would morph into her face that one Really and then it would morph back into his face, and then it would morph back into her face. And I was so like, seamless. it was so subtle and so seamless. I was like, man, this is that's fucking dope, man. Dude. My favorite part about that was when they did a hard cut to her face. Yeah, because they like, oh end. shit, all right, what's happening here? Yeah, 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 yeah. That was really. I thought that scene was really well done. Um, I didn't really much care for the dialogue. I can't. I couldn't tell you what he was talking no, about. I, mean, I I couldn't remember what he was talking about. So I was just yeah, like, he was basically just setting himself up as like thinking he's the new Jesus. Yeah, exactly. The new Messiah. And he kind of already got that from like the whole like feeling of what they were yeah. doing, but it's just kind of like, oh, this is just you know, hammering it home, basically. Right, right. And he's just full of himself. Yeah, exactly. And then he ripped off another one of your shots. Which one? When he's masturbating. Oh my god, you're right! You're fucking right! He ripped off my jerk-off shots. Yeah. That was fun. That, that was, was funny, weird. though, when she just starts laughing at him. Yeah. And he just starts, like, jerking off. And, and he's like, like, don't look at me! Don't yeah, look at me! Don't look at me! He just starts... I liked how they made him, like... He wasn't just, like, this confident leader, you know? Yeah. They showed that he was, like, oh, he could be, like, such full of BS. And then, yeah, like, yeah. once, like, his ego gets hit a little, he just, like, fucking explodes, you know? So I like that a lot. Um... So, and then the third shot I love the most about this movie is a scene after Mandy is burned alive. Spoiler alert. Mandy's burned alive. Uh, Nicholas Cage is, like, tied up to a fence. He breaks free of the fence. He wanders back inside. 
He falls asleep. He wakes up in a panic, and then he goes into the bathroom. Oh yeah! And it's just this wide shot of this bathroom, and Nicolas Cage just starts like tearing up the bathroom. He finds this bottle of liquor that had been like hidden in one of the cabinets, and he just starts drinking it, and he just starts yelling and screaming. Ah, yeah! And you're like, "Ah." but here's here's the brilliant thing about this moment is you're just like, oh, this is like a classic Nicolas Cage moment. He's just freaking out. And then he goes and sits on the toilet, and he's screaming, and then he just starts crying. Yeah. And you fucking feel for him in that moment, because he's so honest in that cry. Yeah. I felt like I was just like, I was with him in that moment. I believed him. Uh, he went from being, like, you know, crazy Nicolas Cage, to this guy just watched his fucking wife be burned alive. Right. For no reason. And I was so in that fucking moment with him. And I loved the wide shot. It was basically like a wide-angle lens. And it pushed in on him when he sat down. I loved it. I loved that shot so much. Yeah. Yeah, I thought it was really good. The the more, like... I mean, like, there was a really cool shot when Mandy's being burned alive. And it shows the... uh, She's, like, in a sleeping bag, I guess. And, like, you can see her teeth, mm-hmm. like, through, like, some of the burnt, like, yeah. stuff bag and everything. And, then, oh, my God, it was brutal. It was brutal. Yeah, yeah. And then, like, it's it's weird because, like, once, after Mandy dies, this movie just, like, it, this movie's very slow in the beginning. Very, it's, oh, shit. I'm sorry, dude. You good? Um, I'm sorry, I just spilled a little bit. You want to get a paper yeah. gel? Um, this movie's very slow in the, like, first two acts of the movie. And it, it, it basically sets up uh, Mandy and Red's character, and it shows their, like, quiet relationship and quiet existence. Not coming out. It's bad. Don't worry about that. Damn, dude. I'm sorry. There's paint on this couch, dude. It's not a big deal. Kyle, just ruined my couch, Cash. Just ruined the fucking couch, I'm sorry. No, oh, dude, it's damn. fine. It's fine, man. It's really fine. Dude, there's literally glitter and paint on this couch. Alright. Well, I helped with this couch. I in, so picked whatever. it up off the street for free. <laughs> I got a little bit of my jeans, too. I didn't think I thought I drank all that. Okay, whatever. Okay, so anyway, this the first, like, two acts of this movie are really slow. And once Mandy dies... This movie just, like, cranks up to fucking 11 on the Richter scale. Yeah. And, like, Nicolas Cage wastes no time in getting his crossbow, his big-ass... He makes his big-ass battle axe. Yeah. <laughs> and then he just goes out and just kills motherfuckers in the most br- brutal way possible. Yeah. The thing I didn't like about that transition was that he had to go to a friend's house and pick up his crossbow and mm-hmm. get special bolts for his crossbow. Yeah. And it's like, this didn't add anything to the story. Yeah, Why did we need this? I think it's, it's set, it, all it did was just explain who those biker guys were. Right. There That's was, all it did. No it was just way. an exposition dump. Right. Was there no better way to do that? I liked how it was the guy from Predator, though. I didn't know that. It was the one, uh, uh, um, what's his name, who, uh, who uh, goes off to kill the predator and then he's like hungry down and then the predator's right above him and like okay. blows his brains out. Is that guy? Interesting. And so um but yeah that, I mean yeah that scene is pretty wasteful. Um yeah. didn't really need it. But uh I kinda like I I would have actually preferred to like not explain who those bikers were. I know, and I just leave it up to like it. some just they're just some whacked yeah, yeah, out fucking mysterious well, thing. And they like his explanation was like they started tripping on L S D and they liked it. Yeah. And then I was like, but wait, they, these dudes look like supernatural monsters. Like, yeah, and they sound like supernatural right. monsters. Yeah. This is all from the LSD. And bullshit. I don't buy yeah, it. yeah, bullshit. I it would have been cool if you if you could cut out that whole scene right there and then just like leave these like mystery bikers. I think it it adds a lot more tension to it because then you're just like, what the fuck are these things? Yeah. Like they're not people. Like right. they're not taking off these like leather like suits or whatever. Yeah. You know. So I think, yeah, I think, yeah, you could really cut out that scene and yeah. you could just get to the point quicker, basically. Yeah. Um, and also the, 
the tiger scene with that guy. Oh my god, I had no idea what the fuck was going on there. I think that was the guy that made the LSD. Yeah, that would make... I thought he was, like, had photographs at That's first. what I thought at first, but then, like, he licked his finger. Yeah. And he said something about, if the tiger's calm, that means it's good. Yeah. So, you no, he was definitely making LSD in there. Or acid or something. Yeah. I, Maybe no, it was, it was LSD. It was LSD. Um, acid and LSD or something. Okay. But, um... Yeah, the whole tiger sequence was weird. I mean, Nicolas Cage is wearing, like, a tiger shirt, like, throughout, like, the first two acts oh, of the yeah, movie. Yeah, and then, but like, I mean, it doesn't really, it, it only adds to basically he tells them where the cultists are. Yeah. That's really his only, like, right. purpose. There's, like, there's just, like, a lot of stuff that's like, did we need this? No, not at all. This movie's very pretentious. Yeah. Don't get me wrong. Like, it is a very pretentious yeah. movie. Like, it, it takes itself way too fucking seriously at times. Um, like, I think if... if if it would have been, if he would have taken like those those existential scenes out of them, like you know, thinking like a group that's like this grander thing, you could have had a, a way more fun time with this movie. Yeah. This movie wants to dig a little bit deeper than that. Does it succeed in that way? I think it's too weird of a movie, though. I don't think there was enough plot for it to either. No, not at all. Um, and you're not like. I think you care about, like, the Mandy character. Do you really get to know who Nicolas Cage is in this movie? No. Not really. You don't get no. any backstory from him. He's just a lumberjack, and yeah. he just, he loves Mandy. I think Mandy was a little bit more compelling of a character, because, like, we got to see, like, her, like, reading, like, this weird, like, fantasy novel and everything, and, like, hear yeah. her side, and then we see her, you know, be killed or whatever, and then Nicolas Cage's character is just there to, like, fuck shit up in the third right, act, right, really, right. you know? Um... Yeah, I, I, it, it, when I heard about the premise, I didn't really know about this film, but I was just yeah. like, in my head, I was like, oh, so this is Nick Cage being like, I want to do a John Wick movie, but for me. Yeah. And then we saw it, and I was like, oh, no, Nick Cage like saw Only God Forgives, and was like, I want to do Only God Forgives, but for me. <laughs> yeah, exactly. No, no, I love that you compared this movie. When you brought up Nicholas Winding Ref and that really like sent a light bulb off in my head I was like oh shit like yeah dude like this is totally in like that vein of like yeah. style of film because Nicholas Wending Refn really Drive is such a weird like commercial film for him like that's his yeah. most commercial film right and even Drive is like weird at times yeah, but it's yeah, not sure. it's not there's that a weird. story to Drive though. no there is and there's a and very I, compelling I think that's because it's based off a book but yeah um, there, yeah there's the and uh, Nicholas and Wending Refn didn't write that script right. either that it was, that it was written by someone else um but like I, I've watched some of when Refn's other stuff I did like a project on him or whatever and like Valhalla mm -hmm. Rising is like a really beautiful story yeah or a beautiful film but like the story's like um it's uh, paper thin yeah very paper and thin and then Bronson has like an interesting story I don't know if it's good. I think Bronson has a very interesting character. That's and it has a great so. actor in that yeah, in yeah, that yeah. role. But yeah. the entire movie as a whole I don't think really works. But yeah. Tom Hardy in that movie is yeah. wh why you watch that movie. Right. Yeah. And yeah. So and then like Only God Forgives, I there's like a red there's a semblance of a story. It's not much of one at all. No, no. And, no. and it's not a story that I like. You know? Yeah. I mean, there's no likable characters at all in that movie. Yeah. Like, and, but even, like, I was saying this earlier, like, I wish... The whole time I was like, alright, Ryan Gosling's character is gonna start kicking ass soon. Yeah. And he just never did. And it was like, well, so so nothing that I wanted from this film got fulfilled. Yeah. I mean, I... I, I think that whole movie was marketed as, like, a... Like, they were gonna build up to this fight sequence between Ryan Gosling and the guy that plays the police officer. Yeah. Like, that whole... I remember watching that trailer, and, like, it ends on that shot of them, like, you know, about to, like, punch each other. And so, like... And that's what the movie feels like. It feels like a build-up to this fight. Yeah. And then the fight happens, and Gosling gets the fucking shit kicked out of him. Yeah. And it's just, like, it, the fight lasts, like, I think, like, two minutes, and then it's over, and, like, Gosling's, right. like, beaten to a pulp. There was no fight, really. He clearly never heard Rocky's speech. Never did. No, dude. <laughs> I don't think this movie exists in the world of Rocky. No. <laughs> but, um, yeah, 
this but this film feels very much in line with like only God forgives. Yeah. It feels like like I said when we were walking out of the theater, like you could play those movies as like a double feature. Definitely. And they would like line up uh simpatico. But the, I yeah, I really liked it, Mandy. It was like it didn't feel like uh action that Nicolas Cage could not have done. Yeah. Like everything that Keanu does in John Wick, you're like, Oh yeah, Keanu's just amazing. Of course, he can do all this shit. Yeah. Do you see that video of him like uh, at the gun range, like firing all those yeah. guns? It's just like, dude, Keanu could kick everyone's ass. Right. Like right. Keanu is John Wick. But if you if you like try to throw Nick Cage into into John Wick, oh yeah, no, it's just way. like it's just not believable. Yeah. But you put him in, he's like John Wick or uh, as Red. Was it Red Miller? Something like that. Red. Yeah, that sounds right. As Red, he's just got this giant axe this scythe as like the reaper or whatever yeah and and his bolt his crossbow and then like a box cutter yeah and then he does cocaine in the middle and then does lsd on top of that that scene was so fucking weird this shit too when he gets captured by the like the bikers and then he um he kills or he defeats the one he like throws him off like a weird like pit yeah and then he goes and like goes into this living room where this one the one biker's watching porn and then they just... Well, he, the, that biker had his dick replaced with, like, a spike. Yeah. It's, like, this huge, like, fucking spike thing. And then the, the biker's, like, doing, like, cocaine while he's watching porn. And, like, to, uh, Nicolas Cage is, like, sneaking up behind him, like, ready to kill him. And then they get... In, but then uh, he sees him through the reflection of the TV. And they start fighting. And it's not, like, a gl- glor- like glorified fight, you know? It's yeah. just them just, it's like... It's really kinda, sloppy. Yeah, it's very sloppy. He, like, falls over the couch, and he's, like, they're just, like hitting one another yeah. you know and like nick cage like falls into a glass table so then he yeah. like has trouble getting up because he's on shattered glass and yeah it's just like and then it's just like you, the guy's dick ends up getting stuck into the the floor, floor yeah and so that's when nicholas cage can like take one of the pieces of glass and then like, cut the guy's throat you know yeah. and so it's just like it's it's all like circumstance which i like in fight scenes because right. like fights are all up to circumstance like you can train for fight all you want but it's just totally in the moment you yeah. know and um and then there's like, the, and then the, the fight scene that happens after that, like right after that, the one guy comes back in, he has a shotgun, and Nicholas yeah. Cage like kind of like jumps over the couch, he like falls into the couch and like rolls yeah. over it, and then just like snaps this guy's neck, and he has this like weird fucking look on his face, he's just yeah, like, yeah. yeah, it was just like, what? And then he like picks up the cocaine, and like yeah. does a line of coke. <laughs> and then it's just like, what the fuck is going on? Yeah. And then he finds his, like, jaw, and then it's cool because he, like, he finds his axe that they, like, hung up on the wall, and right. then he, like, finds his crossbow or whatever, and then he just finds this weird jar. And it's the LSD that these guys were on that made them so, like, fucked up. And then he, like, he, like, dips his, like, finger into it, and he just does, like, a little dab of it, and he just, like, there's this weird sequence that just happens where it's yeah. just, like, all these weird flashes and shit. And it's just... But it's like, did that really add to the right. movie? Like, did right. that need to, like, happen? No, it no. didn't need to. But it's like, you're in this world and you just kind of go with it. Yeah. Um, and, like, the scenes, like, the cartoon scenes. Yeah. It's like dream sequences. Yeah, yeah, Just yeah, like, yeah. what the fuck is it? Like, I get it because the wife was reading, like, this fantasy book. And so it was, like, trying to tie back into that. Right. And, like, she was, like, an artist. She did yeah. drawings and stuff. So it was, like, a little bit too, but... It was just so... The movie's just so bizarre. And it's just like... Yeah. It's cool because it, like, you... It convinces you to just go along with it. Yeah. At times. And you just... You accept the movie for what it is. Um, but then there's just, like, you know, logical issues with it. Of just, like, then why why is this scene here? Like, you don't need this scene. This is just, you know, like an exposition dump or whatever. But, um... Yeah. I really liked Nicolas Cage in this movie. I think... Oh, I like, thought he was great. Yeah. I think he did a really good job. I thought he, like, was really into the role... And, yeah. like, that scene in the bathroom that I said, I was, like, when he's just crying, I was just, yeah. like, I was right there with him. Like, I felt his heartache. I think Nicolas Cage is a brilliant actor, and I think he, he, you know, at a period of time, he, you know, needed money or whatever, so he just did a whole bunch of, like, shit movies. Yeah. But uh, I've, I've watched this interview with him for Variety does this uh, YouTube series where they take, like, actors or directors and they go throughout, like, their entire filmography. Okay. And Nicolas Cage did one. Uh, for the for Mandy's release, and so he went throughout like his entire filmography and talked about all of his roles. And uh, 
he kept saying he was just like, I always wanted to be the American version of Klaus Kinski. And I was like, that makes so much fucking sense <laughs> with all of his roles because of like how like in recent years, like Nicolas Cage has just gone like so batshit crazy. Yeah. But like if you look at his career and his choices and you look at Klaus Kinski, it's the same thing. Who's Klaus Kinski? Klaus Kinski is a German actor that uh, he was most well known for working in uh, Werner Herzog's films, okay. uh, Nosferatu, uh, Ra- The Wrath of God, um, Fitzcarraldo. Okay. Um, very great movies to watch those. I love Werner Herzog. I think he's a very underrated actor. Like no one yeah. really talks about him in the uh, grand uh, scheme of cinema. Yeah. But um, I think he's a, he's. A, He's one of those directors that he doesn't have a particular style, but is like very documentary like kind of style, which yeah. I love. And like he was like one of the first ones to like really like do that. Like him and Freakin were like the masters of, of that whole like uh, style subgenre. But um, but also in that interview, uh, he talked about leaving Las Vegas, and I remember when we watched Leaving Las Vegas, and yeah. I talked about how in that scene in the casino where he throws the table on the ground and like freaks out and I was just yeah. like I wonder if that was you know just they just went to a casino and just did that and it fucking was they he was talking about how he was like they talked about that scene and he was just like he's like we had permission to go in the casino um but we didn't we told them like what we were going to do or whatever but we didn't want to go just do that so yeah. he's like we he's like we didn't know what we were going to do he was like I just, he's like, the director just told me, he's like, I'm going to go perch myself somewhere. And he's like, you just do you, you mm. do just be the character. And so he perched himself on that overhead shot yeah. and Nicholas Cage just went up to a table and just started playing cards with Elizabeth Shue. And then he, he just freaked the fuck out in that scene. That's so that whole scene is just improvised. Yeah. That's a- Insane. I fucking called it. <laughs> but, um, but yeah, I think this is one of Nicolas Cage's best roles in recent years. Um, I mean, like, leaving Las Vegas, he's brilliant in that. And I love him in uh, Rumblefish. Um, yeah, Rumblefish is amazing. He has a very small part in Rumblefish, but he's good in it. But, uh, but yeah, I think this is, like, one of his, his better films of, of recent years. Definitely. Um, I like the girl that played Mandy. I, I'm awful that I can't... Uh, I don't know her name. I'll yeah. look it up once I'm done here. But uh, I think it is... She she was really good. She had this weird scar. Did you notice that? Yeah, like on her cheek. I was, and I was waiting like, for that to like be more of a thing to be explained. <laughs> I was yeah. just like, okay, maybe it's just like a character thing, like whatever. Yeah, they never really got into it. Yeah, and then um, the guy that played the cult leader, I thought was you know like I mean he did the part well. Like he was supposed to be like this you know charismatic douchebag you know but with like secu- insecurity problems you know. I thought he did. I think I think all the actors did their their parts well. There wasn't really, like, one person that was just, like, that guy sucked, you know, whatever. Yeah, I think yeah. everyone, like, served their parts well. I really love the, there's in the final, in, like, the scene where Nicolas Cage goes to kill the cult leader. <laughs> the cult leader, like, he, like, breaks down and he's just like, I will suck your fucking yeah. dick. And I was the yeah. only one to laugh in the theater. I just started yeah. laughing. <laughs> but I was just like, yes. I was like, that sums up that character so well. Like, he's this cocky asshole because, like, Literally seconds before, he's just like, you will bow before me. And then he's just like, I'll suck your dick. <laughs> like, yeah. I don't care. Like, that summed, that summed up that character perfectly. Yeah. Um, Andrea Riseborough. Never yeah. heard of her before. She's been in a ton oh of stuff. Gosh, she like, looks completely yeah, different. They, like, really downplayed how wow. she is. Wow. Yeah. She looks familiar, though. Go to her filmography. There's a lot of stuff she's been doing. How do I do? How do we okay. um, What if I seen her? In, I feel like I've seen her in something. She's in Black Mirror. I probably saw her. Oh, she's in Waco. That's what I remember her in. I love Waco. Waco is this TV, uh, this miniseries that came out earlier this year. Okay. It's about um, uh, the, the, the cult in uh, Waco that set themselves on fire. Oh, I saw her in uh, Nocturnal Animals, too. Nocturnal Animals is, like, one of the most depressing movies in, like, recent years. She's in Birdman. I didn't like Birdman. Um, what else is she in? Never Let Me Go. Saw her in that. I don't remember that movie that well, though. Um, that's pretty much it. Okay. All right. Wow, they really downplayed her. Yeah. Like, she is, like, wow. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. She's, she's beautiful. Underrated. She's very beautiful. Um... She's great in this movie, though. 
Um, everyone's great in this movie. Uh, it's a, I mean, yeah, like the movie, visually brilliant, um, score, a fucking masterpiece. It's a, it's pretentious. It is. And you just have yeah, to kind of like very. accept that. Like, I think, uh, I think I'm, this is not like an insult to Cosmatos or whatever or anything, but there's like moments where you're just like, he's just like smelling his own farts and <laughs> just being like, ah, so that's what my farts smell like. Yeah. <laughs> I feel like there's many of those, there's a couple of those moments in, in this movie, but I mean, dude, you, you directed a, a weird fucking movie that yeah. would never get made in a million years, so congrats to you, dude. Yeah. Do you see Elijah Wood was a producer on this movie? No. Elijah Wood produced this movie. There was, uh, there was something about, like, one of the companies of this was all fan-owned. I, I like, saw that. I've seen commercials, or I've seen ads for that company on Facebook. Okay. It's like Legion M. It's like... Huh. You you pay this, you're like a owner of this company, yeah. but I don't a know. A cooperative. You, yeah, I don't know if you get money back from this company or something like that. I don't know. I don't it know. sounds a bit shady to me. Yeah. But they made Mandy. Probably you pay like five bucks a month and you get to vote on what movies they make. Maybe. Yeah. I don't know. That would be, I, I haven't really looked. I, I've only seen like a, a sponsored Facebook ad of this company. Yeah. And it just, I was just like, I don't really trust them company that does Facebook sponsored ads. Yeah. <laughs> but um but yeah, uh I definitely check out this movie. Make your own opinions of it. I think it's yeah. worth I mean we saw it for five bucks at the uh, Southside Works. Right. So that was so worth I, it. Yeah. I don't know if I'd pay fifteen dollars no, I wouldn't pay fifteen uh I mean it was visually stunning and I think it was worth one watch. You wouldn't bring you wouldn't rewatch this movie? I don't I don't think so. Yeah, I don't know if I would buy that it's the kind of movie that if it was on like Cinemax late at night, fuck yeah, yeah, I'll watch this movie again. But sure. is it the movie I'm gonna like go out and buy the Blu-ray of? Not really. There was not. Yeah, there wasn't really anything from it that makes me want to go like. I need to watch that again. Yeah, I mean, like, there was only those three shots that really stood out to me. Where right, I just right, like, right. Yes. But um, but no, it's not like the movie is just like I need to have this in my collection. Yeah. No, no definitely. All right. Anything else to say about this about Mandy? No, that's that's it for me. Alright, this has been another uh, episode of Late Night Like and Throat Nightmares. Make sure you check out Kyle's new uh, YouTube series by the time this episode comes out. But it'll be it'll be, uh, it'll be a couple of seasons, yeah, probably. No, but definitely. Um, go back and check out the, the backlog so you can see some cool mo- movie reviews from Kyle. Hey, and then you can listen to a podcast on movie reviews yeah. too. <laughs> Beating this horse to death. Hey, there's not enough stuff out there. Exactly. All right. Uh, thank you for tuning in. If you want to sponsor us, hit us up. Yep. <laughs> Welcome in any and all. I will whore myself out to anybody yep. that's willing to pay us money. Uh, you can catch us next week, same time, same place, right in your feed, wherever you find podcasts. I don't know what we'll be reviewing, but we'll be reviewing something. And we'll probably talk about random stuff right before that as well. That's that's the great lead into this to this podcast. Yep. All right. Have a great night, everyone. Thank you for tuning in. Bye.